18, and we'll begin reading in verse 24. Verse 24. The Bible says, And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went out up to the roof over the gate into the wall, and lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimez, and the son of, uh, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man, and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimez called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down on the earth upon his face before the king, and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which had delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimez answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And he wept, thus said, and he, thus he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. I've read this several times. Verse 33, that's my a key verse this, morning, this evening. It's amazing to me as I read that verse and, and the thought. If you look back, actually, uh, let's see here. Go back to chapter 14 and verse 28. 14, 28, the Bible says, it says in verse 28, So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. And many of you, you know the story. You know the story of Absalom, how he came there, uh, his dad brought him back, but did not even talk to him, didn't see him for two whole years. And to me, this is one of the saddest verses, and the king was moved, and he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. To me, it's one of the saddest verses in the Bible because he, to me, David had the opportunity. He had the, he had the, the opportunity there to, to, to mend things with his son, to, to get things right with his son, to, to go to him and get together and get things the way they should be with his son. As I thought about what I preached last time about having almost teens and young people, I couldn't help but think about why. Why, why do we come to the point where we almost have young people that serve God? And, and why, what's going on here? How come parents maybe don't understand their children? How come parents don't understand their young people? Look, take your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. And look at verse 26. The Bible says in verse 26, My son, give me thine, what? Heart. My son, give me thine 
heart. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you'd help me tonight. Lord, I know this is what you put on my heart tonight, Lord, to, to give to the people, to the moms and dads, the young people, dear God. I pray that you just help me get it across the way that you would want me to. Lord, I know there's a lot of young people out here and over the sound of my voice, Lord, that have hurting hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd help them. Lord, help me to be a blessing tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. As parents, I believe that we must do everything we can to get the heart of our young people and to keep it. I believe, I believe here we see, and in, in, in with Absalom, I believe there was a time that maybe David had the heart of Absalom at one time. Maybe he had it at one time, but he lost it. And we know there was fighting going on there between uh, Absalom and David at that, that point in time. And, and, but but there, you see him, he weeps, he weeps. My son, I would have died for you. Obviously, he lost the heart at some time. And I believe we have parents that have lost or have, don't have the heart of their young people. And I believe tonight, uh, as working with young people over, over 20 years, we, it's sad to see the pain in the lives of, of young people and of parents. Uh, maybe they don't get along or maybe things aren't right. And, and it's because many times I believe, and not all times, it's not all times. I believe there, there comes a time in a, in a young person's life when they turn 18, 19, 20 years old that they have to choose. You raise them up the best you can. You raise them up the, in church and doing everything right. And they, they must choose to do right. They must choose to live for God. They make a choice. They make a decision. But I believe it will become easier if we will do everything we can to get the heart of our young people and to keep it. It has caused many young people not to want to serve God and even have bitterness in their lives. It is sad to say that most young people that grow up in church do not end up serving the Lord and go through a lot of pain because they refuse to serve the Lord. I was talking to Brother Nate this morning before he left and we were talking. I was kind of sharing what I was preaching about tonight. And he said, yes, he said, at the church I used to be a part of, 80% of the young people there, 80% aren't in church anymore. Aren't in church. I think, what happened? What happened there? What happened? And, and uh, with the young people, and I believe as parents, we must do everything we can to get the heart of the young person. Everything we can. There have been times that we have looked at the lives of the young people in the past and wondered why they didn't turn out for Christ. Why? They came from a good family. They went to a good Christian school. They had a good church to go to. They had a good youth department. They were in Sunday school. Why? Many times it's because no one, whether it was the parents, the youth pastor, the teacher, somebody of godly example, got their heart. Why is it that we can have a family that, that loves the Lord, they love the Lord, and they're involved in church, and they're, they're faithful to all the activities, and they go to the youth camps, and they go to everything, and they have maybe three young people, and one of them, one of them decides to rebel. One of them decides to go the opposite direction. One of them decides to just do totally opposite of what they've been taught. Rebels against everything. Is it maybe because no one got their heart? You know, every, every, young, every person's different. Every young person is different. I have three boys, and they're all different. They're all different. They, they're, 
No, don't say that. Um, uh, there are different. Uh, each one of them, they all have different ways of doing things. And so we have to work at getting their hearts differently. My wife and I have, have worked at trying to do everything we can. And we're not even close to being done and raising them. We have a long ways to go. And, and, but we're trying to make sure, make sure, make sure that we have their heart. Some parents give an answer of, oh, Pastor, I did all we could. But they went the other way. But if we really did dig into the matter, did you really or did they really do everything they could? Did they really? I think about that. I think, did, did, have I prayed? Uh, could I have prayed harder for my boys? Could I have fasted more for my boys? Could I have got them in, more involved in things uh, of the church with my boys? I think of this saying, Pastor, we did all we could. Did we really? But if we really dig into the matter, did we? Did everything you did or are doing, does it line up with the Word of God? While we're living our, uh, bringing up our children, does it line up with the Word of God? Do we go to the Bible and say, okay, listen, uh, young person, uh, listen, rock music is wrong here. Listen, let's look at the Word of God. Let's see what it says here about rock music. Okay, let's see what it says about this thing here with dress. Okay, let's see what his Bible says. And let's, live, let's bring up our young people according to the Word of God. I do believe that some parents really believe that they're doing everything they can. And I think we go to that and we say they're doing everything that they can and not everything according to the Word of God. Uh, I believe there's a lot of people that think, well, I'm doing good. We're doing good as a family. But is it raising our young people according to the Word of God? You know, who is the great deceiver? Who is the father of lies? That is Satan. He is the great deceiver. Has he deceived you into thinking, hey, we're raising our kids this way, but it's not according to what the Bible says. You think of how in the world could a great family, how could a great family involved in church and involved in ministry, yet they lose a young person? And sometimes I look at that and I go, what happened there? Well, you think of Adam and Eve. I think they were in a pretty good environment. I think they were in a pretty good environment. I mean, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and in perfect conditions. Yet who got in there? Satan did. Satan did. So let's get to the heart of the matter, parents. I say, I, 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 <clears throat> heart of the matter that say I, I, I took them to church. Parents say I, I prayed for them. We had devotions. We put them in a Christian school or even homeschooled them. Yet they went the other way. You know, none of these things are guaranteed that your children will turn out for God. None of those things is a guarantee that they will turn out for God. Like I said just a few minutes ago, and when they get a certain age, they have to choose. Yes, you're going to put everything you can. I've talked about investing in them. We're going to invest everything we can into our young person, but someday they do have to make a choice. We must do everything we can to get their heart. And even sometimes we get their heart, they choose to go the other way. First thing I have is, as parents, we must make sure and do everything we can to make sure our young person is saved. We must make sure that they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and we have to be careful with that as well. 
Okay, I, I don't remember our boys, and when they were four, five, six years old, boy, they started asking those questions about salvation. Boy, it'd be easy just to say, one, two, three, repeat after me. Oh, you're saved. Hey, we've got to be so careful with that. In junior church, in junior church, uh, every, every Sunday, I'll ask, all right, if you don't know you're saved, raise your hand. And I'll have five, six, seven of the four, five, six-year-olds, they're raising their hand. And I always tell them, I say, listen, listen, if you don't know you're saved, as soon as we get done here, you go talk to mom and dad. You go talk to mom and dad, because I think if they're serious about it, if it's really on their heart, I mean, I could easily pull them aside and say, okay, one, two, three, repeat after me. Yes, 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 boom. Oh, they're saved, and really maybe get that false security, and I don't want that in there. I don't want that with our young people. But if they go to their mom and dad, and when they get done, they go to mom and dad and say, mom, dad, boy, they start, they start hounding them about it. Man, there's something working in their heart. There's something going on there, and, and man, we want to make sure that they get saved. What a tragedy for a child or a young person to grow up in a Christian home with saved parents and never come to know Christ. You know, the devil will do anything or everything to make sure your child does not get saved. Number two, we must realize that we are in a battle. We must realize that we are in the battle for our young people. If you've noticed that we and you are in a battle for our child, for our teen, for our young person, however you want to put it, it is a battle. You are fighting for your child, but also for your families and your family's future generations. I don't think we understand that. I don't think we understand that. And I was studying this out, I'm thinking, man, you're right. I'm not just fighting for my boys. Man, I'm not just fighting for my boys and my family, but I'm also fighting for the generations to come after them. Man, I want, to, I want them to live godly. I want them to serve God. I want them to do what, whatever the Lord has for them, but I'm also looking now at, at the next generation. We don't understand that we're in that battle. I don't think that the families, I sometimes we don't believe 1 Peter verse chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Man, I don't think we believe that. I don't think we believe that we're in a spiritual battle sometimes in there, and that Satan is the great deceiver, the father of lies, and he's going to do everything he can to deceive us, and to, to, or our kids, our young people, will not be able to be used for God you know if somebody was to break into your home some of you maybe most of you you have an alarm system so right away man the alarms would start sounding if they got past that they would be introduced to the Uzi or the tank or the bazooka or the nine mil or whatever you have your pet names for your Guns and ammo, they would be introduced to a lot of those things. Boy, we are prepared, right? Boy, we're prepared. Boy, if, 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 uh, if somebody's a break in your home and you're there, <laughs> it's probably the last home that they break into, right? Most cases, you live in the South, yes, okay. But what about our young people? What about our young people? What's more important, our young people or our possessions at the house? What's more important to me? The young people are more important. Man, we're in a spiritual battle, and as parents, we ought to realize that Satan is going to do everything and anything he can to deceive us and them. 
we're not prepared spiritually. How many times have you heard about a young person that went to church, involved in school activities and everything, yet they, they get involved in drugs and alcohol and porn and immorality and many other things. So do you have your child's heart? Do you have your child's heart? If you don't, you need to find out where you lost it if you had it at one time and get it back. And if you don't have it, I encourage you to do everything you can to get it. I encourage you, and at the end here, I got a list of about, about 24 different ways that you might be able to work on getting the heart of the young person. And when you do get it, though, do everything you can to keep it. Sometimes that means we have to apologize. Sometimes you have to sit them down and say, son, I messed up there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you know how to get your child's heart? You know, failure to do so may result in tragedy. If you get right down to it, if there's a problem with your child or teenager, it is a heart problem. It's sad, though, that sometimes parents don't even know there's a problem with their child. Parents don't know that there's a problem with their teenager. Parents don't know that there's a problem in the house and something's going on here. We were just talking about this just a minute ago. My wife is the master of this. You walk in the house and she just knows. She just, I mean, she knows. You walk in the house or Bryce walks in the house and, or Tyler or Justin, either one of them. Walk in the house and she'll see them kind of go to their room and all of a sudden mom's kind of following them. And she'll sit them down and what's going on? Oh, nothing. What's going on? Oh, nothing. About 10 minutes later, there's something and mom has found it out. Do you have their heart where they would tell you just everything that's going on in their life? Someone has said that, oh, a little rebellion is normal. No, not according to the Bible. Rebellion is a sin of witchcraft according to the Bible. Yet a young, uh, uh, a little boy or a little girl there, no, I'm not going to do that. Rebellion, we think it's so funny. We think it's funny. No, rebellion. Like some have said, they just got to sow their wild oats. <laughs> I don't know. But last time I checked, wild oats brings regret, brings shame. Mom and dad, I beg you to get the hearts of the young people. <coughs> Whoever has the child's heart, I'm sorry, whoever has their heart will have the child or teenager. Luke 1, chapter verse, Luke chapter 1 and verse 17, you don't have to turn there, Luke 1 and verse 17, the Bible says, and he shall go before him in the spirit of the power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Parents, are you just? Young people are not ready for God to work in their hearts until their hearts are turned from themselves to their parents. At camp, at youth conference, we've heard this said many, many times. If young people are not right with their parents, they're probably not, they're not going to be right with God. They're not going to be right with God. Young people are not ready for God to work in their hearts until their hearts are turned from themselves to their parents. And listen, we have a generation of young people, adults, that are very selfish. Our hearts are for us. 
Our hearts are for us. It's all about us. But we get some young people that are, have the heart that is with their parents. When a young person gets right with his parents, they will find it easy to get right with God. A young person's biggest problem is surrendering to the Lord. Is surrendering his heart, his will, and emotion to his parents. Remember the key is to get the young person's heart early and to keep it. Don't lose their heart. And if you do, quickly find out where you lost it and get it. So I ask you again tonight. Do you have your child's heart? Do you have the heart of your young person? If not, I beg you, I beg you to sit them down and find out. Maybe you have to apologize. Maybe we have to apologize to them. I believe we have young people that are hurting in more ways and our parents don't even know about it. Why? Because they don't have their heart. And I'd like to give you just a few, a few, a few, I, I, 24, 24 ways that I believe that, that you can get the heart of a young person. And there might be more. I'm sure there is. Okay? And I don't have this to pass out. But number one, be a good listener. Be a good listener. I know, I know parents, we have it all figured out. We have all the answers. We know. We got it. But be one that will sit there and listen to your young person. I believe I'm getting ahead of myself here. But don't interrupt. I don't know if I put that down or not. Don't interrupt. Be a good listener. A good listener is one. Have you ever talked to somebody and they have all the answers and they want to give them to you before you even finish talking? Have you ever been talking to one? You don't want to talk to them. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk to that person. Uh, you know, they, they had their stories better and they can't wait to tell their story. They're not even listening to what you're saying. Be a good listener. Number two, speak to them with respect. You say, with respect? Man, they're four years old. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is, don't be a screamer. Don't be a yeller. Don't yell at your kids. Don't scream at your kids. You say, well, that's just the way I raised. Don't be a screamer. Don't do it. Speak to them with respect. Number three, believe in them. Believe in them. Uh, number four, put away your phones and devices and spend time with them. Spend time with them. Put away your phone. You get home from work, and I know, dads, you get up at 4 o'clock, and you're gone all day long. You're making money for the house and for the, all the payments, and, and you come home, and, you know, little Johnny's climbing all over you. Daddy, I love you. And he's like, oh, leave me alone. I need some quiet time. I know. Listen, take five, ten minutes. Spend time with them. Number five, hug them often. And a side note there, tell them you love them. There's nothing wrong with that. Tell them that you love them. Next, find something to brag about them. Listen, it's easy to find fault in people. It's easy. It's easy to find fault in people. Find something to brag about them about. Brag them about. Anyway, next one. Ask them how you can help. Ask them. Go to them and say, hey, is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything I can do to help you? Just don't do their homework, but, you know, you can help out there. Number eight, be one of the, their greatest cheerleaders. Be one of their greatest cheerleaders. Listen, life is tough for them. Life is tough. You remember you growing up? I know some of you are old, but you don't remember that much anymore. And I'm talking to me. And, uh, but it was tough. Listen, be one of the greatest cheerleaders. Number nine. Thank them for what they do around the house. And they do something. They take out the trash without even asking. 
man, thank you. Elijah, man, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you doing that. Oh, man, did you know this? Oh, I'm going to do it next time, too. Oh, that's what we want. And uh, anyway, oh. right? He's like, I'm still sleeping, though, John. Uh, ne number next, number 10, be real. Be real. I think that comes with apologizing. When they know that you're real. Listen, we're not perfect. We're not perfect parents. I'm not a perfect parent. I'm a long way from it. But be real. Number 11, be consistent. Be consistent. Be consistent in your walk with God. Be consistent when you're at church and when you're away from church. Wherever you're at, be consistent. Number 12, when they have a big problem, make it your big problem. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, listen, they have their best friend. They come home, and their best friend is not their best friend anymore. And to you, that's really no big deal. To, really, to you, that's like, oh, you have to be friends tomorrow. Man, make, it's a big deal. What's well, a big deal to your child? It's got to become a big deal to you. And if they know that it's a big deal, that means something. Number next, number 13, let them understand that you're not perfect. Let them understand you're not perfect. Number 14, laugh together. Laugh together. When's the last time you laughed as a family? When's the last time you, you know, I, it's okay to, to make fun of each other. I think you're okay there. But when's the last time you laughed together? I, I think when I, when I wrote this down, I was trying to think of ways that we tried to knit the hearts together. Is I, I think of, uh, man, I can't think of that. I should have wrote it down. That, uh, that game that has a mouthpiece inside of it that we played. Speak out. Yes, if you haven't played Speak Out as a family, you are you have missed out. You played at our house too, didn't you, Brother Lenny? Did we play it that one day? Man, that is a hoot. I mean, you're drooling everywhere. Listen, if you haven't played that, I can tell some of you, you've not played that game. As a family, you need to play that. You'll see all the crooked teeth and uh, drooling everywhere. It, it is a hoot. I'm telling you, if you want to have a good laugh. We were laughing before we even played the game. It was, it was great. Anyway. I think everybody else is asleep too, Justice. Number 15, show interest in the things they care about, in their hobbies. Listen, get involved. Show interest in that. Number 16, have a date night. Moms, take a son. If you got three sons, take one of them. Take one of them out on a date. Sit there. Talk with them. Dads, if you have a daughter, take them out. Uh, stop right there. Side note. I was in my notes somewhere. I must have passed it up. Dads, moms, let me tell you this. If you don't get their heart, okay, dads, if you don't get your daughter's heart, some guy that's going to come around, and he's going to get their heart. And it's not going to be somebody you like, but you didn't get it. So now they're going to get it, and you're going to have troubles. You're going to have troubles. Listen, get their heart. Get their heart. Uh, have a date night. Uh, let them talk and don't interrupt. Kind of already hit that one, so I guess there's only 23. Let them talk and don't interrupt. Number 18, have one-on-one -on -one time. Listen, it doesn't have to be, I said date night here earlier. Listen, it doesn't have to be just a date night where you're, you think you're spending a lot of money. It could be a cup of coffee. It could be a cup of McDonald's coffee. Let that be Starbucks. Go to McDonald's and, you know, you got the app where it says buy one coffee, get one for one cent. Man, you're saving so much money and you're sitting there and you have that time. But it's that time together. Next. Kind of already said this one as well, but have family night. You know, it, with, with our schedule, 
You know, sometimes we don't know what's going on the next week, or we know, and we look at it, and it's like, good night, basketball game, church, basketball game, uh, another basketball game. And, and so we, I try to take a time. We say, okay, this is family night. We're not doing anything. We're not hunting. We're not going fishing. We're, we're, it's family night. This is what we're going to be doing. And sometimes it's just sitting on the couch, making some popcorn, and watching a movie. And then the boys are betting. I taught them to wager just a little bit, and they're betting how soon dad's going to go to sleep on the movie. I'm kidding, we don't really bet, I'm just, anyway. Spend time with them, number 21. Spend time with them. Number 22, have a devotion time. Number 23, be involved in the extracurricular activities. You know, it's sad to me that we'll be at a volleyball game or a basketball game and boy, this young man gets up there and he scores. And I know you can't make them all, I understand that. You can't make every game. But if you can make the games, if you can make the concerts, if you can make the plays, if you can make the banquets, listen, do everything you can to be a part. Number 24, when something is wrong, sit them down and get it out of them. I hope you can tell. I hope you can tell when they come home and that something is going on, something in their heart is not right, and you're able to take them back into the room or take them into your room and sit them down and talk with them until... Listen, son, we're not leaving until we get this thing taken care of. We're not leaving until we get this taken care of. We're not leaving. We're not leaving. You might have just spill your guts. Listen, get it out of them. Once they know they can trust you, once they know it's going to be, become easier and easier and easier. Do you have your child's heart? Do you have your young person's heart? Listen, if you don't, I beg you to work at it. We see David and Absalom. He did not, he lost it somewhere. He lost it somewhere. We see in Proverbs chapter uh, 26 and verse 23. I might have that backwards. That uh, my son, verse 23, verse 26. My son, give me thine heart. Listen, if you don't have your children's heart, I beg you to work at it. I beg you to work at it. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Lord, I do believe that 